Hello, Podfam, and hello, Rachel. How are you this evening? I am. Um, I'm doing okay, Laura. But I have. Uh, I've I've had a bit of brain fog today, and um, you know, I was just telling you about it before, but I feel like I have to share it with the listeners. Uh, this is where my brain is at today. Is when I was making my tea for this evening, I turned on the tea kettle. About fifty seconds later, I thought the tea kettle was done. There, there was no signifier that it was done, by the way. Like, there was no sound that said it was over. Um, so I stopped it, made my tea, and uh, it is lukewarm at best. Oh, no. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm just having like a an iced tea if iced tea was never in the fridge ever, you know? Okay. All right. Well, yeah. what, what flavor is your lukewarm tea? It's chamomile and lemon. Oh, so well, you know what? Right. It That's works. not it the works. worst one to have yes. lukewarm. Because I know like, you know, when your teapot gets cold and there's a little bit left, mm-hmm. that one's not, nope. not the worst. It's not like Earl Grey. No, you can't have like a black tea or like an Earl Grey or a green tea. Go- well, green tea's okay. But black mm-hmm. tea, cold, oh, it's just – It's too much. Right. Yeah. It know? just it tastes – it tastes like something that humans aren't supposed to have. Yeah. But uh, like yeah, it's got to commit, you know, you got to be either yeah. all iced tea or hot tea. Yeah. And um, in other updates, I've been taking some bar classes lately. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, those whoop my butt. Yeah. Hard. I am hoping yeah. to take a bar class maybe next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I got waitlisted this week yeah. and uh, I would really like to try it out. It's it's tough. You know, there's a lot of pulses. Yeah. There's a lot of pulses. And, you know, it's not just pulses like legs. I'm good with leg pulses, but today she was having us do pulses in a push-up. <gasps> and I was like, this is offensive. I'm I would already like dead. to leave now. I'm yeah. dead. Yeah. So I think I'm going to be feeling a little bit sore tomorrow morning. But, oh, you know, sure. that means I did something. Yeah. You know what? Embrace the soreness, right? Because, like, you know, you yeah. worked – so it's all good. Exactly. Is your tea regular temperature? Um, you know, it's cooled off a little bit, but it definitely was a lot hotter than yours. So yeah. I am winning in that aspect. And I'm actually having a chocolate oat milk latte. Oh, yes. how fancy of yes. you this evening. It seems fancy, but really what happened is I had um, a little bit of oat milk left. And oh, yes. it, you know, you know, like it has a long expiration date, but – after you've had it open for a while, you're like, mm, I should probably like finish this because mm-hmm. it does say like best used before 10 days after opening. Yeah. Um, it's definitely been more than 10 days or about 10 mm-hmm. days. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this tonight and then that cleans up the oat milk. Beautiful. Yeah. Because I don't – I always get like inspired to get chocolate oat milk, but I really don't have it as much as I would like a regular – Mm-hmm. Oat milk. Kind of um, hard to like find things to have that with, you know? Yeah. Like, like a nice idea, but. Yeah. Like I'll sometimes drink it cold, but really like what I use it for is like this purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I had that inkling once and then I forgot about it and I was just like, I got to finish that. Yeah. Otherwise you're like, there goes that money. Exactly. And it was milk. like, you know almost half a, a carton and Ooh. that would have been sad. So like I did a taste test first. It tasted fine. Um, so yeah, nice. here we are. Here we are. 
having a Here we are. chocolate oat milk latte. Beautiful. And we're going to be talking about a kind of an odd topic this evening. I don't know. It's not odd. It's just not like anything we've really done before. No, but I'm so excited yeah. for it actually because I feel like it's applicable to a lot of people. Um, at some point in most people's lives, they've they've had a pet or they currently have a pet or they know of a pet that they were like really involved with so it kind of felt like theirs. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of wanted to put this episode to have a little like good service towards those animals who we've loved throughout our lives mm-hmm. because it's just so near and dear to our hearts. Like Rachel, I know you kind of feel the same about that. Yes, I do. I've had uh, quite a lot of animals that have touched my heart throughout mm-hmm. my life and um, quite a few that I have lost and yeah. it still breaks my heart to this day when I think about those last days with them. Yeah. But um Honestly, like I just I think you and I we're the type of people where with animals, I think I think also our relationship with horses has really made us this way. Where, you know, like with our horses, like we bond hard with them. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And because of that, and especially I think because we started doing that so young, we bond super hard with every other pet in our life to a point where we're like, This is my child. Yeah, like I remember like pretty much from day one for me, there's mm-hmm. always been a little animal in the house, um, mostly cats. My family is big into cats. And then I had a dog when I was around like 10 through university. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother now <laughs> currently has a dog. Oh, he was the best. He was the absolute best. Honestly, um, he's ruined me for ever having a dog in the future because he was so perfect that I'm he like, was he was like too perfect, right? He was I just know. so perfect. And like it's it's hard to like think about getting another dog because like mm-hmm. he was the standard, and that standard was. was golden. And like um, that's hard to meet, you know. Yeah. Yeah, a and like my mother good, has a dog now, and standard. He, yeah, and my mother has a dog now, and he is fabulous. He's a fabulous dog, but um, just different, right? Just different. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've had oh, wonderful cats. Oh, I just they warm my heart every time I think about them. And you know, they're not with us anymore, so I still get emotional about that, just like you were saying. Yeah. Um, my dad now has a cute little cat who's been with us for a month so he's just Mm -hmm. a doll um we have sydney here and then of course i've been fortunate to have some really wonderful horses in my life but for this episode we're kind of going to be leaning more towards the the house pets and i feel um majority of that will be centered around cats and dogs rachel i know you have experience with rabbits so i know you're going to probably touch on that Um, Oh, I got some ranting to do. Let me tell you. I know you do. I know you do. But I do have to say like one thing. It's this trend on Instagram and TikTok. Oh. Oh, no. You know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? It hurts me. So it's the one and I'm going to probably like, oh my God, I'm like getting emotional just thinking about it. It's from Inside Out and it's like the bing bong voiceover. So Riley's imaginary friend. And it was just like. Take her to the moon for oh my god, I can't even say it. <laughs> it was the take her to the moon for me, and it's people like showing pictures of like their current animal, and then when that comes over, it's like their old animal that they grew up with. Oh my god, okay. I'm oh. uh, sorry, guys, I am not okay. Oh shit, now I just spilt my latte all over me. <laughs> I'm a wreck. 
I'm we're off to a great start. We're oh, off dear. To a great start. Oh, dear. One second. <laughs> oh, no. I'm wearing a white robe, too. This is not good. When she cried too hard, we're, at a, we're only nine minutes in. I know. I got, like, kind of bouncing on my seat here, holding my latte, and it's mm-hmm. everywhere now. Wonderful. Okay. I am back. Sorry about that, guys. I just totally <laughs> dumped um, chocolate oat milk everywhere all over myself on your white robe on my white robe whoops um anyway that's how emotional i get when i see that and i love them but i can like barely watch them because i cry Mm -hmm. every time because i immediately think about wonderful animals in my life and it kills me it absolutely well you want to you want to like cry a little bit more inside oh why not so like well i mean we talked about in the show but my little Little Bunny passed away uh, on July 1st, mm-hmm. and ever since we got our little kitties, who, might I add, were born exactly a week after he passed away, um, every so often, ever since we've brought them home, like, we've cleaned this house, too. We'll just find rogue pieces of hay on the floor, <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know, I just always, like, you know... When I get all woo-woo, I like to think that that's just him stopping by to, you know, give us his blessing because I think, you know, my – I always kind of have this feeling when animals pass that, like, it's kind of like they're creating space for you Mm -hmm. to take on a new chapter. At least I felt that way when um, my horse passed away a few years ago. And it just kind of felt like he was like, you know what? You guys are good. You're ready for a new stage of life. I'm going to open up that door for you. And every so often, he just leaves a piece of hay to remind us. No, it's so true. I I believe that too. You know, animals never really leave us. You know, they just stay in our hearts. And I've definitely had situations where I've been like, oh my God, I think I just saw my cat or I just saw my dog. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. Yeah, let's get we into it. Three, we have three broad categories to talk about here. Yeah, so let's get started. I think we should begin with before you even get a pet. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's it's a big decision. You know, most animals will live for more than 10 years, and you need to make sure your lifestyle is appropriate to be taking in a living being because that's mm-hmm. what animals are. They are living beings. And we need to make sure that we are giving them the best life possible just as much as they are going to enrich our lives as well. Exactly. And I don't know about you. I do not have the lifestyle to have a dog. I do I'm not, not either. Sure, I'm not sure I ever will. And as much as it breaks my heart, I just, I've had to accept that. And that's important to accept because I just mm, – like, do- I feel like this one, this point especially, like, we really, like, need to kind of focus on dogs because dogs take so much care, mm-hmm. right? And, like, you know, you with cats, um, I mean, they do take a lot of care too, but, you know, you give them their litter box, their food, their water and stuff. You can kind of come home at night and if you're really busy, like, they can kind of play with themselves. Yeah, you cats know? are a lot more independent for sure. Exactly. Where like with dogs, you have to play with them. You have to walk them multiple times a day, especially depending on the breed. And I just remember an old employer of mine, actually, she had uh, an Australian Shepherd, Mm -hmm. which are some of the most high energy dogs in the world. Like they're herders, right? Like they have a job, they want to go do it. And 
every time I saw this dog, she was brought into the office and she just would lay there all day. Right. And she then started to, and then we're going to get into this later, that because she was kind of bored and couldn't channel her energy elsewhere, she then took to protecting the office. Mm. So whenever somebody knocked on the door, she would like charge them. And it's just like certain dogs are all right with like a more less active lifestyle. But then there's others where it's like, you know, you kind of have to be acknowledged. Like, can I go for a hike for one hour every single day at minimum? Because if you can't, then that's not the right situation for you. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And with dog breeds, you know, there are so many different kinds and with different temperaments and activity levels. And a lot of people, I think they get in their head, you know, um, I'm going to just use the Australian Shepherd, the beautiful dogs, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, I want like an Australian Shepherd. They're they're beautiful. Love that. Everything about them. But for someone who maybe lives in the city in a very small apartment, mm-hmm. that's probably not going to be the most appropriate dog for you. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's just so many, like if you're dead set on getting a dog, um, there's just so many more breeds that are better suited to that lifestyle that aren't going to require, you know, the one hour, you know, not sauntering down the street, like you're power yeah. walking down the street or you're going to the dog park and, and throwing the ball for, for half an hour. Um, mm-hmm. you really need to be honest with yourself when it comes to this, because this is where, uh, if you, if you get a, a dog that's maybe not appropriate for your lifestyle, then I think, you know, as awful as it sounds, like that could lead to resentment, um, yeah. you know, on your part and also on the dog's part because, you know, you're just not able to connect and provide what needs that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's like step one, you know, be really honest. You know, my mother, she has a Springer Spaniel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he is a high energy dog. And, you know, yeah. she kind of joked at the beginning. She's like, oh, I think I skipped that chapter on how much energy they have. But mm-hmm. she has the property to yeah. facilitate that kind of energy. So he can be out. He's out patrolling his property, running around all day. So then mm-hmm. when he does come in the house, you know, there's that sw- off switch for him. Mm-hmm. It's very calm. Like he's never hyper in the house because he's been able to channel that energy outside all day. Yeah. So that that's definitely, you know, as much as we all want, I don't know, a golden retriever that was like my dream dog mm-hmm. when I was a young kid. Um again, a big dog, another mm-hmm. one that uh has a lot of of energy. Well, like a perfect perfect example of this is actually huskies. Mm, oh, yes. <laughs> everybody wants a husky cuz they're beautiful, right? Yes. And um, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I did volunteer at our local Humane Society a few years back. And the people who'd worked there for a while, they were telling me like, you know, a lot of huskies wind up in the shelter. Mm -hmm. And usually like there's quite a few that will come in at a particular time. And it's because of the fact that people will, you know, adopt these dogs when they're puppies because they're like, oh my God, Husky is so beautiful, whatever. But like they don't acknowledge that like a, a dog like that is not made for a city apartment. No. You know, like they are like they kind of need to be outside and they prefer to be outside in yes. the cold. Yes. So, you know, there needs to be that run out for them. 
but there also needs to be the proper training. Like mm-hmm. a husky is not a great first dog. No, they're neither- extremely smart and yes. they know they're smart. Exactly. And like, you know, other examples are like German Shepherds. I've always loved German Shepherds. Oh, beautiful. I Like beautiful. I'm always like, oh my God, that'd be so great. And I've had to be honest where I'm like, if I'm getting a first dog, it's not a German Shepherd because like I'm kind of scared by bigger dogs in reality. I'm not going to feel like I can kind of, you know, be the alpha in that situation. Mm -hmm. You know, that's another thing about being honest with yourself when you're adopting new animals is like, is the one that you're thinking of getting, are you actually ready for that? And do you have experience that is applicable for it? Yes. And, um, you know, I love the adopt, don't shop. Mm -hmm. But with that, uh, you really need to read into that dog's background. And this goes for any Mm -hmm. animal that you might adopt because, um, you know, sometimes they do come with a past and it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not their fault, you know, like, this is why we're bringing this episode up because we want animals to avoid going through situations where they then get surrendered and they've had poor training and poor experiences because that is very hard to undo. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you are a first time dog owner, you know, maybe taking the one that's um, had a past of aggression into your home is, is probably not for you. Like that is for someone who is experienced with training Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like you said, Rachel, you know, they're not going to be afraid as well because that that comes up quite often. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you have young children, you have to be really considerate because like that's putting your family now in a dangerous situation and the animals because, you know, if if anything were to happen, it's it's the animal Mm-hmm. That is going to pay the price by potentially, you know, being surrendered again or being put down um, mm-hmm. because it was a threat. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like I, you have to report, like if you yeah. got bitten and go to a doctor, those doctors have to report. Exactly. That like, a dog you know, you go to a hospital you. and with a dog bite, you know, they, they – it, you know, it's so difficult. But that is the reality of mm-hmm. – um, of, of dog bites and you know even um like you Rachel like I'm someone who would probably never adopt a big dog because I'm not I'm not scared of dogs so it's kind of I think because I had already had like years of experience with horses so like I'm not nervous around big animals mm-hmm. but I I am kind of wary around bigger dogs because I was attacked when I was about 11 years old Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't the dog's fault. You know, he was fantastic all day. It was my cousin's dog. He was a rescue and yeah. he did have a history of, um, you know, he grew up with children and the children picked on him. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, but since they'd had me never presented any issues or anything like that, I spent the whole day with this dog. Um, yeah. but then when it came to dinner time, it was just kind of a little switch and this dog's memory oh. came up. I was the only person around who was, you know, little. And yeah. when food became involved, that's probably when his previous family, like that's like children with, would withhold food from him or whatever. Oh, yeah. He put his paws up on my shoulders and kind of took me down. Um, thankfully, yeah. like my cousin was right there, pulled the dog off me. And I just like I was pretty much okay. Like I just had a, mm-hmm. a bit of a black eye and a scratch. Yeah. Um, nothing lasting, but you know, that could have been 
very dangerous had my cousin not been standing right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were they were scared for years that I would be terrified of dogs. And I'm not very fortunately, but I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. a dog that's not trained or um, has like – is a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of stand my ground. I'm just like, no, yeah. no. Like I'm not putting up with any of your shit kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's so. um, like an important thing too if you are adopting because um, that kind of behavior, they have like a name for it and it's like a resource guarding um, behavior that they have. Okay. And yeah. usually they will write, uh, depending on the shelter, like the one that's local to us, they usually do little bios mm-hmm. and they'll write that in. Look for words like that. And yeah. then when you go in, be like, okay, what does this actually mean? Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind, I'm going to like switch this to cats. Yeah, yeah, now. go for it. Because I just went through like uh, an adoption experience um, where my partner and I, we got two little kittens, but we were very like serious where we were like, I think like we want adult cats, mm-hmm. right? And we go in and like we met some lovely, lovely cats. And I think there was like three that we were looking at and she was like telling us about them and stuff. But, you know, I think with cats, we kind of – I think there's kind of like a general view of cats that like they're not as complex as dogs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like a cat's a cat. Yeah. But, you know, when you're adopting, they do – and especially when it's an older cat, they do have those past behaviors. Right. And stuff to look out for is, you know, the adoption counselor was just like, oh, um, this cat uh, was surrendered because she was starting to have issues with not using her litter box anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, interesting. Why is that? And she was like, oh, a new baby was in the house. And I'm like, you mean like a new kitten or like a new baby? And she's like, a new baby, like a human baby. And I'm like, well, my partner and I are like in our mid-20s, probably mm-hmm. going to have children at some point. We need in, to consider in a that. cat's we lifetime. Can't. You're very likely to have children. Exactly. So it's like knowing that she, you know, kind of wanted to be the center of attention and didn't really like when this new baby came into the home. I'm like, well, we can't take her home and then put her through that again. No, that's totally years. not fair to the cat. Exactly. You and know, then like another off with somewhere that is like childless or older people and who are exactly you know not gonna have children around. Exactly. And then like the other one was um he was surrendered and I'm I'm still kind of annoyed about this, but I guess this family surrendered this wonderful cat. He's about seven years old mm-hmm. because they got a new male dog. So he started going out of the litter box. Mm-hmm. So they gave up the cat and I'm like, <sighs> just give up the dog. But I know, like you I'm just, like the oh God. The cat just gave you seven years of his life, but okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with that too, we had to consider, we're like, okay, well, we don't have a dog in the house, but there's a dog on the property. Yes. And our windows are open all the time. How sensitive mm-hmm. is he to this? Like, if we take him home and he gets a whiff of this dog and hears him because, you know, he barks a fair bit, Yeah. then are we just going to put him in the same situation? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was something where we tried really hard to go for an older cat, but like kind of each thing we were like, okay, like we could work with this, but I feel like it doesn't really work for our lifestyle. So we wound up getting the kittens, which were a whole other thing to consider. Right. Now we're like, all right, well, we went from a seven-year-old to two-month-olds who we're definitely going to have them for 13 to 15 years at minimum. Right. And that's a whole other thing to consider. So it's you know cats are cats are complex too guys. Mm-hmm. No, to it's consider. A, it's a very important decision. You know, 
no matter what kind of pet that you're getting. And the last thing I kind of want to touch on lifestyle here is, you know, are you home a lot? And this is huge because, you know, my, my dog growing up was smaller, so he was portable and he, he literally came everywhere with me. Like we were just a little duo. Mm-hmm. And if one showed up without the other, they were like, hey, where's where's Laura? Where's the dog? <laughs> um, it, but that that was just something we were able to do. Um, mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, like, you know, now I, I work mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm always on the road or I'm always traveling. And it it would be hard for me to have a dog, especially like a bigger dog. Um, Mm -hmm. cause it would literally have to come with me all the time. And, you know, I do go places where that wouldn't be an option, you know, like, like I couldn't take a dog to my parents' house, you know, there's one dog already there and that's his house. Mm -hmm. And then at my dad's house, you know, there's a cat there and like, that's not fair to him. That's his house. Mm -hmm. Um, so you really need to be honest with yourself, like how much traveling you want to do. You know, if you're in your early 20s and you're like thinking of going backpacking for six months, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with your pet? And this goes for cats mm-hmm. too. Now cats are like a little more resilient as we talked about, you know, um, if you were going away for a night, you know, your cat would be fine. You leave it lots of food and water in a clean litter box and it's usually like cool being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're gone for a week, you know, having someone just check in on the cat is totally fine. But then again, with a dog, you know, someone literally either has to stay at your place, take the dog to their place, or you have to go to a kennel. And mm-hmm. that goes for cats as well. You know, if you're going away for a long time, you probably have to go to a kennel, which is costly. Mm-hmm. Um, so and again, traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. And them. like, you know, I know my cat, the few times she had to go to like the vet clinic kennel, um, she hated it. So at that time, that's when we're like, okay, you know what? We're going to have like the neighbor just come by, you know, morning and night to, to feed her. Um, mm-hmm. cause she was just so much happier in her environment. You know, she could still be on her same routine where she goes outside for the day and then comes in at night. Um, so again, things to consider. Yeah. And kind of extending this too, if you're thinking of getting kittens or a puppy, who, um, you know, if you're getting one that's like two months old, they are like babies. Yeah. You know, they do take a lot of care. How are you going to handle that first week? Mm-hmm. Are you going to take a full week off? Do one of you work from home? How how are you going to handle that? Because, you know, especially with a puppy, you can't leave a puppy alone for eight hours while you go to work. No. So that's also something to consider. Because I know we're all like, oh, my God, I want the little babies. But like – they're babies, mm-hmm. guys. They, you know, they're not. They're not as babies. They're not babies for as long. But you know, they, they do take quite a lot of work. I know from experience now. Yeah, exactly. And I think that segues perfectly into our next topic, which is training. This oh, is yeah. so vital. So yes, vital. So where should we start with training? There's just. Um, I think I want to start with COVID, actually. Okay. Because this is something that's really come up in the last three years. So when everyone was home during COVID, there was like a run on animals. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, everyone was getting a puppy, a kitten or whatever. And that was because we were home 24-7. So we had this time. You know, we weren't going on trips. We weren't going away. But what happened is when the world opened up again, 
a lot of animals struggled with separation anxiety. You know, mm-hmm. this was this was huge for them because their whole like the majority of their life, they were used to having their humans at home with them. So all of a sudden, you know, when they're gone, you know, this is when they become destructive or just really stressed out and and barking or you know, um, just panicking, right? Because because mm-hmm. they don't know what's happening. So yeah. you know, if you're getting an animal. You need to commit to the training. And if mm-hmm. if you're getting a dog, my number one recommendation is crate train them right from day one. Um, it is so helpful and absolutely vital uh, to be able to have an animal that is comfortable in a crate. Uh, mm-hmm. Cats are a little funnier, but like they'll go in a crate and they'll they'll be in a crate. But with a dog, you know, you want to make sure that they're not going to be howling all day or freaking out. You know, you want them to go in that crate and that is their safe spot. You know, all of my my animals, like they have their crate and they know that that's a safe spot that they can go. Um, yeah. And it, it's so important for many reasons. One, if you're going to leave them at home and you're not like confident with leaving them like to their own device around your whole house, they can go in there. And, you know, if you know that they're not going to bark and cry and they will at first. Um, it's just kind of a given, but then they get used to it. You're not going to have to worry about your neighbors calling and complaining. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to worry about your house getting destroyed. And then whenever you know that animal needs to go somewhere or you need to go somewhere and take them, it's so mm-hmm. nice knowing that they can just go in a crate and be yep. okay. Right? Like, you know, this is emergency situations. This is we're traveling. Um, you know, if someone is looking after them, knowing that they could just go in a crate and be okay is vital. Exactly. I might get canceled for this, but I am going to talk about both dogs and cats here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, cat people mostly acknowledge that not everybody likes cats. Yes. Right? Where I find Dog people kind of assume everybody likes dogs. Oh, true. Yes. And that's, um, you know, don't cancel me, but I'm sorry, guys. That's really not the case. (laughs) Sometimes dogs are scary for people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, quite a lot of dogs actually kind of freak me out because similar to you, I did actually have an experience when I was young where a dog bit my face. It was Mm. kind of provoked. Thankfully, she didn't have any teeth. Mm Mm-hmm didn't do anything but I think it's kind of it's it's made me scared of new dogs and the reactivity yes um but where I want to go with this is that both cats and dogs have natural behaviors um that can be intimidating mm-hmm. for new people so for dogs what I'm thinking of is the jumping up on people uh, yeah when they see you or walk in and for cats it's the um you know when like they lie on their little backs and you're playing with them and they'll like claw your hand and bite your hand yes so I'm gonna I'm gonna speak on that. Maybe you can speak a bit on the jumping thing because I just okay. I've never had a dog. Yep. But like with the kittens, it's really cute. Like you know, their their teeth and nails don't do anything. So you're like, oh, this is so cute. They're like hunting or whatever. But those kittens get older. Mm-hmm. I've met a lot of older cats who their parents let them do that when they were young. So that's how they play yeah. now. That when you would go to play with them, now they're trying to bite your hand. Yes. And I I really don't like that. So what we've been trying to do with our two little boys is just stopping. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're kind of rubbing their tummy or playing with them, 
with a toy and they're on their back, if they go to start clawing your hand or bite your hand, just stop playing with them. Yeah. You know, don't react to it. And with cats, that's like the best thing that you can do because if you yell at a cat, they're just going to not like you. Mm -hmm. They're not going to listen to you. So that's – it seems to be working. Um, You know, the other advice is like if you're kind of just around minding your business and they bite your toes, redirect them to a toy because they probably have too much energy and just need to get it out. Yeah. But guys, please don't teach your cats to do that. It really – it's not fun for the people coming to your house that are like, why is your cat biting my hand? You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, so just going on the dog side now, uh, there is nothing worse than a naughty dog. And again, it's never the animal's fault. It's the owners who don't train them. Um, you know, I, I personally, I don't know, maybe some people are fine with it, but again, going back to like, not everyone is a dog person. And even when people say like, oh, they're super friendly. Well, you know what? Like that is my space. Okay. Like I don't want to walk in somewhere, have a dog jump up on me, have them sniffing me, you know, getting up in my space. I can't stand, like, I really can't stand that actually. Or coming to jump up on you when you're just walking around. Yeah, yeah. Like a dog park or something where you don't know if that person has been attacked before. Exactly. And that can be scary, just a big dog or even a small dog just coming at you to like put their paws up on you and sniff you. Yeah, exactly. Or like coming up to you and like barking and that kind of stuff. It can be really triggering for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And um, you just have to be very aware of it because – This is then a problem, you know, if you're out in public spaces and your dog is not behaving, you know, it could get you into trouble. All right. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is the reality of how the world is that, um, you know, if, if your dog is going around scaring people or intimidating people, someone could make a complaint, you know, it could get altercation, you know, it, it could just go so many different ways. So it's something you want to be so careful about. And, um, I find, especially when people have, um, bigger dogs and definitely maybe the classic, uh, like bully dogs. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually know someone who raised Rottweilers and training was their number one priority because they knew that this was an intimidating dog, even though they were the friendliest dogs ever. You know, I think a lot of people just assume like, oh no, my friend dog is so friendly. Like they'd never do anything to you. But if they look scary, you know, no one's going to believe you. They're going to be like, oh my God, that looks like a scary dog. And so like they had trained their dogs to, you know, when, when someone came in, they would lie down and look down at the ground because they knew with that breed, you know, if they were making like eye contact with someone, humans can can also find that very intimidating mm-hmm. and challenging. And so they never wanted anyone to be afraid of their dogs. So they made sure like, you know, they were like down and then they would just literally lay down and look at the ground until they were told otherwise. And so I'm not saying training. people need to go that extreme with their training, but this is, again, just another consideration of – um, mm-hmm. you know, your dog needs to be well-behaved in public and yeah. and at home too. You know, like you don't want them destroying their house. And especially if you are going away on a vacation, you don't want it to be difficult to have mm-hmm. someone look after your dog. You want them to be like, oh yeah, no problem. Like I'll, I'll come stay with them. They're such a good dog. Um, mm-hmm. So just keeping things in mind of, of 
situations that will come up and mm-hmm. you don't want to be the person with the uh, untrained animal. Exactly. Because you know what? Poor listening skills, especially in public, are not cute. Yeah. And it's also very dangerous. You know, if it your is. animal doesn't have a good recall on it and they take off, you know, that's that's awful. You know, mm-hmm. having a, a pet go missing or, you know, if they ran out into traffic or something like that and they didn't have a good recall or they were running after, you know, um, like a squirrel or a ki- like a coyote or a raccoon or something like that. Like mm-hmm. these are situations where it can get very dangerous for your pet. Um, so really it is in their best interest that they are well trained. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. That is my soapbox on training. Do you have anything else on on training? Like cats, cats, make sure your cats are litter trained. Oh my God. Because honestly, you can always tell when you're in a house with an untrained cat, really untrained animal, anything. But, uh, you you know, make sure they know how to use their litter box and they're not clawing your furniture. You know, get a little spray bottle Mm -hmm. with water. The funny things with cats, though, is I've learned so far that, you know, with the spray bottle, they're like, oh, when I get sprayed, she's in the room. Yes. So that means I just can't do this when she's in the room. Oh, yeah. No, it's cats. <laughs> like Cats are another thing. <laughs> they have selective listening. And yes. the thing with – this is – we're going to kind of get into health later. But like the thing with cats and their litter box is it's very instinctual for them. So watch for those signals. Like if they have – if they know how to use their box and suddenly you're like, oh – this cat had an accident over here. Why is that? Because mm-hmm. usually it's signaling something like, you know, something environmental. Yes. Like, do you have two cats and the litter boxes are too close together? Okay, move it. Mm-hmm. Um, could it be a signal that they have any health issues? Because that's kind of, you know, animals can't tell you what's wrong. No. And for some reason, just it's so great, but cats use bathroom stuff as a way to tell you, hey, mm-hmm. I'm not feeling well. Mm-hmm. So just really like pay attention to that and just don't, you know, the Humane Society that we got our kittens from, they had a great resource on this just to say what to do in these situations. And they're like, don't one, pick them up and kind of toss them into the litter box because like they know where it is, Mm -hmm. but also don't kind of and I I could never dream of doing this, which is why it's kind of hard to say, but don't like push the cat's face into where the accident is to be like that's bad yeah because that's just gonna make them it's not gonna do anything but then it's just gonna make them be like oh this person's mean to me yeah so i don't trust them so yeah pay attention when they are having litter box issues yeah exactly and unless they're just not trained if they're not trained that's something else but like if they do know how to use it and then they're having issues pay attention to that Yeah, exactly. And I think to like round out training is, you know, reach out to resources, go to classes, watch YouTube videos. I mean, I learned everything I know about dog training from a book that I read Mm -hmm. when I was a kid and that was super vital. And it Mm -hmm. was nice knowing that, you know, if I was ever out in a situation, my dog was going to listen to me. Yeah. And like when you're with your vet, especially um, right when you get an animal, usually you go a few times in the first year, when you have the vet in front of you, take advantage of that time. Like that is your time Mm -hmm. to ask them questions. Yes. You know, like really go in there and be like, okay, I want to ask them about this, 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 and this. 
And as they're kind of going through their examination and stuff, like keep kind of working those questions in and try to get some information out of them Mm -hmm. because that's a good resource too. Yeah, absolutely. Just reach out wherever you can to uh, knowledgeable sources. Yes. All right. Health. I'm not sure if I'm going to cry. Oh, gosh. This is always the hardest one. Okay, let's, let's start with the easy stuff here. So mm-hmm. healthcare in general for your pet, you know, this is an expense, just like their food is, um, anything else to do with the animal, there's an expense attached to it. But healthcare is very important. You need to make sure your pet is getting the appropriate shots, checkups, and and medical attention. Um, I find some people like they're just, they just find that that's not important or it's just too expensive and they feel like they're being had at the vet. No, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, vets care very much about these animals and they're doing these things for a reason. So, you know, if you're thinking about getting a pet, but you don't want to be taking it to the vet, that is not a good, like getting a pet is not a good option for you. Mm -hmm. 100% agree because that's a little breathing creature and, you know, they are, they're a member of the family. Like if you have a child and your child's sick, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm not going to take you to the doctor. Yeah. You can just sit and suffer. You'll be fine. Yeah. Like you'll you'll be fine in the end. So just keep up on it. Usually um, the vets will tell you like when you need to take them in. And most of the time, I'm not sure with dogs, but like with cats, you need to take them in once a year to get their updated shots and that's it. Yeah. Especially and- if you have like outdoor cats as well. Um, Mm -hmm. there's going to be things in the environment that they might come across that you'll want to make sure that they're protected over. And, uh, one emerging industry really is pet insurance. Uh, Rachel, I know you're kind of a little bit on the early stages of your education journey on this, Mm -hmm. but what have you learned so far? So great moment. I actually was at the vet on Tuesday of this week. So a couple days ago, actually, no, Monday. I was there. I was going to say, I'm like, weren't you? I'm like, Tuesday was yesterday. Or was I there yesterday? I thought you were there yesterday. I was there yesterday. Okay. I was there. I'm sorry, guys. I think it's Friday. <laughs> I I have no concept of time. So I was there yesterday, and um, my, I think she's probably the vet assistant. Like, she seems to be like vet in training. She just brought up the pet insurance stuff and if we were interested in it. So I really wanted to get the down low on what it actually covers. So essentially, it doesn't cover like ongoing care, like, you know, examinations or the vaccinations, right? So, you know, like you kind of need to take your pet in and, you know, give it an exam once a year, give it its vaccinations. It's kind of like you have to do that every year. So they're like, we're not going to cover that. But what they do cover is, um, you know, like different procedures that come with like illnesses that come up, surgeries, accidents, um, anything that comes up that isn't due to a pre-existing condition, which is Im- an important thing to remember, that exists um, before you get the policy. So for example, why we're thinking of getting pet insurance for our little guys is because one of them was sick when we first brought him home. And, you know, it just, it really freaked us out, mm-hmm. right? And we're like, okay, I would hate to be in a situation where you know, cats have a lot of kidney issues. I would hate to be in a situation where one of them is an emergency situation and it was going to be really expensive and we couldn't afford to pay for it. Yeah. Or there's like medication that is attached to it. Exactly. Um, You know, there's lots of things that can definitely come up. Yes. So 
What I do know that they cover is, you know, like surgeries, care for illnesses that come up after the policy date, and also blood work, Mm -hmm. which I thought was good because I'm like, that can be pretty expensive, especially in the diagnostic stage of something. Yeah. But it is good to start young Mm -hmm. before they've had stuff start to happen because, you know, you don't want to wait six years and be like, okay, well, now my cat's kind of at the time where they might start having some complications. But meanwhile, you know, two years ago, they showed that they might have issues with their kidneys. Now the insurance isn't going to cover anything to do with that moving forward. Yeah. And then just thinking of like life insurance for for people, you know, it's usually cheaper to get it the younger you Mm -hmm. are. So, you know, same thing. It's probably going to be cheaper getting it on a two-month-old kitten versus a 10-year-old cat. Precisely. Yeah. So exactly. You gotta gotta think about that kind of stuff. And um, yeah. you know, it it really is handy if you have a situation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, your your dog gets bit by another dog and needs mm-hmm. stitches and you know anything else. Um, yeah. It's nice to know that that's that's covered. Or you know, they're hit by a car, cancer. You know, the the list goes on of potential possibilities. And I know a lot of people think like, oh, it's just a cash grab. And and that's where you kind of need to be honest with yourself of just like, okay, if I'm faced with this situation, you know, what is the decision, right? Mm -hmm. You know, how far am I able to go? Which is, it's, it's really hard. Like, and I'm not trying to like make this sound like, oh, it's so easy, you know, just know exactly how far you can go financially. Um, It's a hard decision. And you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you need to do what's best for your for your pet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with the pet insurance stuff, you know, there are going to be some years where like you're kind of just paying for it for nothing. Like yeah. they're not having any issues. But, you know, I was talking to a coworker today where she's like, yeah, my dog's four years old for the first two years. I was like, why do we have this? But the last two years, it paid for itself. Right. Because she was having some issues. And um, I know like we're kind of going to transition – into the, the sad times mm-hmm. of end-of-life care. But I kind of want to like do this as a bridge because it applies um, with just life health care for yeah. them. And like trust your intuition with them. Like if you are looking at them one day and you're just like there's something up, mm-hmm. push to get them into a vet and have them checked out. And like don't worry about sounding stupid because – when, you know, going back to when we brought our little kitten home, he had an upper respiratory infection that turned into a bacterial one. And the day that I took him, I was just like, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is bad enough for me to, you know, take him. But like he was sleeping the whole day. Like he, you know, his eyes were leaky. Like, I'm sorry, it's all gross. But like he looked really sick. It was like if you had a really, really bad cold, right? Right. And I called the I called one vet in the area and she's like, oh, call back tomorrow. Just like give him some chicken broth. And I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So I called the emergency vet and I like I honestly said, I'm like, should I be worried about this? Do I need to drive him to you and have him checked out right away? Because especially with emergency clinics, like I, I don't want to like take time away from some, a pet who really needs it. Right. Right. But she called, like she kind of put me on hold for a bit and then went back on the phone and she was just like, your kitten is literally like less than two pounds and he mm-hmm. hasn't been eating or drinking. Bring him in right away and we'll take a look at him. Yeah. 
But if I kept pushing that instinct down of like, oh, I need to get him checked out, that would have been a really rough night. Like, I think he would have been okay, but I also think it would have took him for a a lot longer to get better. Well, and it's just, uh, it's unnecessary suffering as well. And, you know, he's so young that it's, you know, something maybe an older cat could have managed, no problem. But for, for just a little thing that doesn't even have his full immune system developed, That is really hard. And then, you know, that could be when you have a pre-existing condition that then comes up later, right? You know, Mm -hmm. just because they were weakened so young um, without any any intervention. And I just want to touch on vets for a little bit here because – you know, with with so many people getting animals through the past couple of years, it's uh, really hard to get into a clinic. A lot of clinics are not accepting new patients at this time. So mm-hmm. you really need to, you know, uh, look around, call around and and see where you can get your pet in as a regular client. Uh, then they have their information, they go for an initial checkup. Then when there is anything wrong, at least their file is there and you'll be able to, to get in, you know, you don't want to leave it for an emergency situation and, you know, your animal's never seen a vet. They're going to be uncomfortable in that situation and there's no like background or history on them. Uh, so that is, is very important. Yes. I'm just going to insert a little small animal welfare. Yes thing in here because I'm just going to like champion that for the rest of my life. Uh, It's very hard to find vets who do small animals, especially Mm -hmm. bunnies, because they're just very complicated. So if you do have a smaller pet, find a vet in your area that does service them, understand what their hours are and build a good relationship with them. But also just vets in general, more of you should learn how to handle small animals because I think they're becoming a lot more popular nowadays and the care for them like I've noticed especially on Instagram like people who have these small animals they were always kind of I think when we were growing up like they were kind of look at looked at as like pocket pets yeah it was kind of like you know well it's that long-running joke of like oh the hamster died so I bought a replacement that looks exactly like it exactly Um, you know there was never that thought even with rabbits you know oh maybe I should take it to a vet to see if I can help it um, exactly. It would just kind of be like, oh, well, we'll let it die and then, uh, you know, we'll get a new one. Um, yeah. Where people nowadays, you know, pets are literally fur babies. And mm-hmm. I think the vet industry kind of needs to catch up to that and yeah. and get more training. And I know the vet, if you are a vet, oh my gosh, I, I know many vets. I'm friends with a lot of them. And it's a hard industry right now. You know, there's not enough vets to go around, let alone having specialized training in smaller animals, but Mm -hmm. just something to consider, you know, it's, if you're able to expand your repertoire into, into rabbits, there's definitely a market there for it. Yeah. It would really help out, um, pet parents so that they don't have to drive three hours when their bunny is really sick to be taken care of. Yes. Rachel, do you want to elaborate on that anymore? Or is that all you want to say about that? Uh, one thing that I experienced uh, when my rabbit passed away was I had to call around to a lot of vets in my area. And I do know that one of them did offer emergency after hours care, but essentially I got turned away from them probably because they knew that with his situation, he was going to pass away. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing that I wish, um, I know it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people to, for a lot of um, vets 
to do, to be really honest, especially with small animals because like, you know, there was nothing that could be done for him. Right. And I think they knew that, but they wouldn't just tell me. So then I suddenly am driving him three hours away Mm -hmm. to get care because I'm not just going to sit here. Yeah. So what I'd like to see is like, you know, in a situation where they probably won't survive, tell the pet parents that. Yeah. Like be honest and say like, you know what, bring them in and we'll make them comfortable, you know? Exactly. Or, Um, you know. Versus being like, sorry, we can't help you. Keep calling around. To then, yes, drive three hours just to have him be put down minutes later. Oh, well, no. The thing is, is he didn't even get put down. He just passed when he got there. Yeah. And that's the thing is that's what was going to happen. And it's just like, okay, well, if he was going to pass from this, I could have not put him through that stress Mm -hmm. of driving him three hours away. You could have just made him comfortable at home. Exactly. So that's just – that's just what I would like to see mm-hmm. because with small animals, I know that people, we just sometimes don't look at them like cats or dogs, but I know that if it was somebody with a dog who was really sick that day that called, that vet would have been there. Mm-hmm. So, yes. I'm not sure what my point with that was, but just, you know, respect small animals, guys. Come on. Yeah. Um, and I think just acknowledge that if you are going to get a small animal, you know, rabbit, rodent whatever, mm-hmm. um, know that there is going to be that added hurdle of getting them proper care when it comes exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. Like people have asked me ever since, and you know, I did enjoy having my rabbit, but they're like, would you ever get another one? And I'm like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Not in this lifetime. I was his champion for as long as I could be, but like, I don't think my heart can handle it, you know? Yeah. Like, knowing like you can't just take him to the local vet, like you need a specialist. Mm-hmm. And I think that segues nicely into the most difficult part of our conversation this evening, and that is end-of-life care. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think animals are very fortunate that we can put them out of their their pain and suffering. I think a lot of people probably should have had that option. But the thing is, it is the hardest thing you will ever have to do. Mm -hmm. But um, in hindsight, a lot of the times, it is the kindest thing. And I know um, the number one regret that I hear from people who have recently had to put down an animal is that, you know, they wish they did it sooner. Mm -hmm. You know, has that been your experience, Rachel? Not necessarily because I think with – I have had two pets in my life that I've experienced having – seeing them being put down and then um, also my horse. Mm -hmm. And all of them it kind of seemed – like the right time, like with my childhood cat, what the intention was, was that the vet was actually going to come to our house right, and put uh, put him to sleep in our space. Yeah. Um, so we had taken him home and it was really just going to be one night and then they were going to come to us, but we wound up having to go back to them because he just, we think he had a stroke mm-hmm. and he just, he was not doing well and like with the bunny like he just kind of told me yeah you know like it was so fast like he kind of just went on his own mm-hmm. and with my horse it was like you know she just she just deteriorated yeah really really fast and you know maybe I could have like done it earlier in the day like when I got there but like you know with like we said earlier, with horses, it's a whole different game. <laughs> yes, horses are so different. <laughs> but I think what 
in my experience um, and what helps with this is taking a step back and thinking about their quality of life. Yeah. So I know we were going to kind of focus on um, household pets for this episode, but my experience with my horse is such a perfect example with this. And Mm -hmm. like, don't cry. (laughs) But I actually um, wound up getting on the phone with our trainer. You know, when you're in um, the vet office, like there's a lot of words coming at you. Yeah. Right. Where you're like, I I don't know, like, because, you know, the vet can't make the decision for you. So they're kind of saying like, well, you know, like you could continue on, but it would mean this, 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 and this, or, you know, euthanasia is an option. Right. So it's like, they're kind of trying to push you towards doing it, but they can't tell you to do it. No. So I remember I had called her and I was like, you know, can you talk to the vets and um, hear what they're saying and then kind of like translate it back to me. Yeah. So she did and then she talked to me and she like kind of put it into simpler words and then she said, but you know, what's the quality of life going to be if we bring her home? Mm-hmm. Because she couldn't walk anymore. Like maybe we could have, you know, rehabilitated her, but she would never run again mm-hmm. in the field. She would never be able to be ridden. She would never jump again, mm-hmm. which were all things that she really loved to do. Yeah. So she's like, you know, she'll be here, but is she living a life? Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of like, no, because, you know, my memory of her was like when you would be driving past her on the way to school or work, she would be in her field, her head was high up in the air and she was running around. Yeah. So obviously like making the decision for her to, to keep her, to not make that call and have her stay would have been great for me because my horse is still here, mm-hmm. but it would be not great for her. And in that moment, you do have to put their best interests first and think what is the life that they deserve and want to have. Yeah, no, and that's that's where it's really hard. And we, as hard as it is, we have to be really brave about it. And um, I do know of a situation that's kind of associated in people I know where, you know, there was a, a dog and she was very old. She was deaf and blind and a little senile. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like she had hip issues and and other mobility issues. And like still the owner didn't want to put her down because she she thought it was just going to be too hard. And, you know, the dog ended up having um, a stroke and like just was totally listless and it, it was it was so hard like i i was actually very angry at the time just because that's not how i was raised to care for animals um and eventually you know the dog did go peacefully and um uh it was the best situation but mm-hmm. that is one of those situations where it was just like you know this poor little creature was would begging to go a lot earlier because she had zero quality of life mm-hmm. and you know it was very painful her for her to live you know she wasn't eating or drinking or anything like that for the past like probably almost week of her life and that's just oh, I, I I can't even um even stomach that um but that is just different upbringings I think with with animals yeah. you know like I was pretty much raised on a farm where life and death was just part of it. Mm -hmm. And um, so as hard as those decisions are, 
you kind of understand more that, mm-hmm. um, you know, they don't have that quality of life anymore and that is in their best interest yeah. to let them go as hard as it is to, to have them leave. Um, mm-hmm. and that is just the reality of being a pet owner. Like this is the responsibility that you have and you need to be okay with it. If you're getting a pet, you need to be okay with making this decision. Um, you know, when we lost my dog, um, it was my mom cause I was away at school who had to make that decision. And, you know, he had uh, Cushing's disease and some arthritis. So he was getting very uncomfortable and, you know, she took him to the vet and said, you know, you know, do we make him comfortable with like Medicaid or was it Medicaid? Um, I don't know. Anyway, a prescription, like prescription medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what's next with him? And they were like, you know, honestly, uh, he's the next thing is renal failure mm-hmm. for him. And he's going to start having a really hard time. And so she's like, you know what? I, I love this dog too much. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, same with my cat growing up, you know, she was not able to to swallow anymore. And mm-hmm. like, just, you could just tell, like, she was not vibrant and full of life as how she used to be and was really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that was a situation where as hard as it was, that was the kindest thing. You know, she lived a wonderful life and lived to a ripe old rage. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she wasn't able to, you know, do the things that she loved anymore or really be comfortable, it, it wasn't fair anymore. And yeah. then, you know, I have I have just my my horses right now and I do have one that is a senior, you know, he's in his twenties. Um, he has arthritis, but like right now he's happy and, you know, looks great for his age and all that kind of stuff. But like there is a plan for him for, yeah. you know, the day that, you know, he's having issues eating or like, you know, can't get up anymore. Um, like I'll pick a sunny day and put him down because that's mm-hmm. what I owe him, you know? Yeah. So that's just where I hate seeing like these poor animals just like decrepit and <laughs> hanging on literally for dear life. Um, yeah. And people just like won't do anything about it. Uh, it's just uh, so not fair. And like I've seen it before, like the most awful thing is like you go out to a field and you can't get a horse up, right? Like it's yeah. it's awful and it's just because, you know, they were left too long. And so they really mm-hmm. had like their final moments were – quite awful instead of you know being comfortable yeah so well (laughs) I'm just I'm gonna say something and Uh I might sound like a bitch but I'm not sorry and I know that this is just a difference in upbringing thing but Mm -hmm. pets do not exist to service you no you know and I've had um you know, I did not grow up this way and I had an experience that was very shocking to me where when somebody's pet passed away, they were like, oh, that's so sad. Like they were such a lovely pet. They would just cuddle me all the time. Mm-hmm. And everything they were saying was about how the their behavior just benefited them. It wasn't anything about like the pet itself. Yeah. Like their personality or the life they lived and stuff. And I think that, um, you know, I think that's like human nature. I think we kind of like take support from our pets, mm-hmm. but they don't exist just for that. 
And I think people hold on to them for a long time when they shouldn't because of that reason. Right. But that's not respecting the actual living being that you have taken the responsibility for. No. You know, and you kind of need to take yourself out of the equation and be like, yeah, I'm going to be freaking sad. Mm -hmm. But like probably my animal who is not living a life and is in a lot of pain is also probably not very happy right now. No. So why would I continue putting them in this situation just to benefit me for a few more months? Yeah. So, yeah. Guys, respect them. Yes. Thank you. Respect your animals. Love them dearly while you have them. Yep. I'm just silently crying here. (laughs) Don't mind me. (laughs) Uh, Don't worry. I I didn't think I was going to make it through talking about my horse. So, yeah. yeah, That was, like, honestly, like, the worst day ever. Yeah. I've had, I don't know. As we talk about horses, our listeners who don't ride horses are like, what are these girls talking about? But it is it is something that is like, I don't know, you have such a soul connection with horses, especially that it just makes it so hard. Yeah, and it's like the same with any animal, you know, like if that's mm-hmm. your pet and you love them, like that's your family. Mm-hmm. So it's so hard. And um, thank you guys for for really listening to this episode and sticking with us if you're still here. It's been something we've been wanting to um, record for a really long time just because, you know, we've experienced a lot. We've seen a lot and there's things that we like and what we don't like. And mm-hmm. we hope that, you know, maybe you took something away if you were really considering getting a pet and, you know, maybe this kind of refocuses you a little bit to um, something that is very much suited for your lifestyle and then also made you consider some of the hard calls you're going to have to to make because it is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our animals touch our hearts forever, but they are only here for a short time. So you just need to be prepared and yep. and okay with making these kinds of decisions. Um, I'm trying to turn this around so we don't end on such a sad note. Um, I don't know. I've loved all my animals that I have and I honestly could probably write like an adventure series on every single one of them because they've all been Mm -hmm. such characters and they all like stand out in their own right. It's impossible to ever pick a favorite um, Mm -hmm. because they're literally like they were all my children. So I just... I just love them all so dearly and any future animals I have. Uh, I just, I love animals. I just hate to see any of them ever suffer. And, and I want them all just to have like a good life and be well-trained and uh, yeah. Not jump up on you. Not jump up on you and be crazy, you know, attack you. Yeah. And you know, like those um, TikTok or real thing. I like to think that the animals that came before send the animals that we have now. Oh, God, don't start. I can't think of Big Mong right now, okay? I just – I'm barely hanging on as it is. We can't – we can't, don't, don't, no one take them to the moon for us right now, okay? It's just not okay. No, honestly, like, did I get little kittens that day because there were reasons why the older ones wouldn't work out? Or was I just like – I think I just want to make that day as far away as possible. 
I'm somewhere in the middle on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think people know which like reference I'm we're talking about here? Inside Out, Pixar. Yeah, should I play it? No. Just to wreck everyone's day. <laughs> and everyone knows what we were talking about. This is this is the one. You made it. <laughs> go! Go save Riley! <laughs> Take her to the moon for me. Okay? All right, so we all sufficiently broken? Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll I'll know whether that made it into the final cut <laughs> depending on Rachel's mood. <laughs> depending if I'm feeling sentimental or not. I know. You're gonna get to that part and be like, fuck you, Laura, why'd you do that? <laughs> uh, well, you know, if you guys enjoyed this episode or, you know, cried your way through it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. We'd love that. And if you want to uh talk to us directly and share any cute stories about your animals from the past and present please send us an email at tea with laura rachel at gmail.com and with that live like tea <laughs> live like tea